And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. I am a real American, fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American, fight for what's right, fight for your life. All right, welcome back to IO's Pod. This is episode four, uh, first season and season twenty-nine. Just wrapped up. We got the uh, the one and a half or two times media going on right now. So I figured I would jump on after kind of just doing a pod not that long ago, but quite a bit has happened since then. Um, I haven't done the. Dallas Bird Cap, Dallas Bird Dog recap show either. Maybe I'll be trying to get that done this week. Looking back on the year, but as we know, the podcast is a little bit more in depth uh, of me kind of just going more in depth about my experiences, things I've seen, and just kind of chit chatting about the season as a whole. So, uh, as of now, the uh, you know the DSFL championship just wrapped up. Or I spoke too soon. The conference championships uh, just wrapped up between the Minnesota Grey Ducks, the Kansas City Coyotes over in the north, and the Dallas Bird Dogs and Tijuana Luchadors in the south. With the Minnesota du- Minnesota Grey Ducks coming out on top, uh, and the Tijuana Luchadors coming out on top. So we'll start with Minnesota Kansas City. That was a uh, it started off as a good game, both scoring 14 points in the first quarter. Uh, then Minnesota just kind of took it from there. Um, Kansas City only scored three points in the uh, second quarter and then nothing else for the rest of the game with the Minnesota Grey Ducks' uh, strong offensive prowess behind quarterback Casimir Olez Jr., who went for 372 yards, four touchdowns, uh, ended up winning 38-17. to um, shout out to my boy La Carpetron Duke Marriott, a linebacker from Minnesota, four tackles, one sack. He is a teammate of mine in the MLR, and pretty much I think everywhere we play uh, on a lot of teams together, except sim 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 leagues. It's more of that fake baseball stuff. Um, and then unfortunately, my Dallas Bird Dogs came up short in the conference championship, um, where they uh, went on and got beat by the Tijuana Luchadors. So, uh, Tijuana came in uh, pretty strong. Um, <clears throat> we didn't have um, really uh, anything <laughs> to, to go against them. They, I mean, they, they kind of took control of the game uh, and kind of kind of put it to us um in a way and i have to apologize really quick uh on the north side the gray ducks won 40 to 20 over the coyotes sorry they they played each other in week 14 and i was looking at the wrong box score but um over on that end uh the office player of the game was running back from minnesota 31 attempts 132 yards one touchdown john huntsman uh and it was kind of the same with it being tight or it was a 21-7 after the first quarter it was pretty much all minnesota that entire game um, with their defense doing a pretty good job shutting down. So, 
apologize for that. Over to the Dallas Bird Dogs Luchadors. The uh, Luchadors got off the beat uh, off <clears throat> strong with two field goals in the first, ten points in the second. And the Dallas offense just couldn't really get anything going. Uh, an offense that was pretty reliable all year. This might have been one of Stanzi's worst games of the year. Um, he had a uh, 53% completion rating, 156 yards, only one touchdown, one interception. Uh, he was sacked twice. So the running game couldn't get things going. Gear got 72 yards on the ground on 25 attempts, but both Gear and Nardella averaged 2.9 yards a carry. Uh, not too well. Tosevich didn't get loose. Um, he did get 54 yards, but he's that long ball uh, threat. Just couldn't get it uh, really going. Um, and then even, you know, me personally, my player, I had one tackle. It was a sack, a forced fumble. Um, could have been a big play, but just didn't um, didn't get it going. So it's kind of interesting to me. I was kind of looking at things. LeBron Brady Jr. is a teammate, good player. Uh, I was looking at stats earlier today, and he had um, was the leading defensive defensive uh, lineman, not linebacker, with nine sacks, uh, tied um, with uh, Lucid Dreams from London, another good defensive end. Um, and then I'm I'm way down. I had five. I was pretty down on the list. Um, you know, top. You know, tied with five, uh, but. It's kind of interesting to me. I was curious because, you know, um, I've just maxed him out. I just um, did my update for him for this week. He's now 250 um, with banking 14, so 264 overall, but uh, only 250 applied. And LeBron um, <clears throat> doesn't seem to have as much TPE and or has... Uh, less on the skills side, but just kind of had a significantly better season. So it's, it's interesting to me, uh, I mean, 60 tackles. I mean, he was a top-tier DN, could be up for defensive defensive end of the year for sure, with 60 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, three forced fumbles, and nine sacks. Sorry for the kids at the back. Um, Lucid Drims had 56 tackles, 11, four forced fumbles, and two recoveries and nine sacks. So Lucid could be up too. Um, for the top two defensive ends, and but it's just interesting to me that uh, you know it, a lot of it is sim luck on what the player does during the sim to earn those stats. And you know, I'm going through a lot of the recruitment right now, the scouting for the draft, and uh, I had a couple of questions come up about the stats and if I were happy with the stats and. I do wish he would have he would have had more sacks. Now I wonder if it's the side of the ball he's playing on. Uh, we play a four-three type defense, um, and maybe LeBron being on the other side plays against lesser uh, ability or lesser talent of tackle. Excuse me. Oh. And um, so maybe that's why I'm not getting back there like I, you know, like LeBron is. But and, and it definitely seems watching watching the Sims, watching quite a few of the Sims, that they do run away from my side um, quite a bit. So interesting. And, you know, it's uh, just to kind of parallel that with real life. You know, in high school, uh, I and another defensive player, the two big guys, two seniors, uh, I was the three-tech interior defensive line um, that would move out to a five in certain packages. Um, I never, I was, I mean, so I guess I was t kind of an interior 
D lineman and a four three, but would bump out to a five or sometimes even a seven, depending on the package. Um, but you know, I was kind of more of a def- I was a defensive end in, in college, but the uh, in high school there was a guy that I played with that was also really really good. Went on to play college football at um, Division two level, who had a little bit more length than me, taller. He was taller than I was, a little bit more lean, uh, longer. He kind of usually played on the outside, but we probably could have been both. We, you know, he probably should have been on the one side, and I should have been on the other. But they kind of put us on the same side, and you know, I, I don't want to talk too poorly, but I don't. I don't know if that was the smartest move for the coaches to do. Um, but one of the things we noticed, of course, during our se- senior seasons, was obviously the teams ran away from us. The other side had two, you know, decent players, but we, you know, one was a sophomore interior. Uh, he was the nose tackle, one tech, two tech. Um, straight up interior lineman and then we had a guy that was younger he was also a sophomore he ended up going to play um division one basketball and he went to he played in europe and he was a a phenomenal athlete you know in terms of just pure athleticism the best athlete on the team super long super had a ton of length that played on the other outside defensive end spot and you know but he wasn't a natural football player he was a basketball player and he lacked technique and 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 upper body strength um and so didn't and i think the coaches thought that they would put that he you know his length would be better suited for that outside nine tech seven tech defensive end on the other side and he played on the weak side me and the, the other guy played on the strong side and which meant we followed the tight end typically um so whatever the tight wherever side the tight end would line up um, or the, I guess the, 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 the strong side of the offensive setup would go to, we would go to. And so he would typically line up, uh, over the defensive attack. I'm sorry, over the tight end or sometimes interior, which we call the seven. Um, if he was, if he lined up on the outside of the tight end, it'd be a nine, but interior inside on the outside of the tackles, a seven. I played on the three, um, sometimes five. So I would usually be on, uh, over the guard, typically on the outside of the guard, they would, our linebacker would play on the inside. We had a pretty pretty good linebacker that was big and could cover the interior pretty well. So anyway, kind of getting off topic a little bit. Um, the point of it is that it was pretty clear watching the scouting that the uh, offense would, especially running offenses, would make it a point to run to the weak side, to away from us. And... Um, which affected our stats a little bit. And it was because they were trying to take advantage of the inexperienced uh, other DF defensive end on the other side, um, who, like I said, a ton of athleticism, very fast, you know, was a much, you know, in terms of, terms of overall athlete, was a superior, you know, probably the most superior athlete eventually. He was a sophomore, she was younger. He lacked, he had no upper body strength at that time. He ended up becoming a Division I uh, forward. Um, in basketball and then played in overseas and um so what they do is they would just kind of pull out get under him and if you got under him you beat him because he was just so big and so if you got under him if a lineman could get under him and had more upper body strength they he, he was a pretty easy to move now i will say he batted down the most balls i think in the league <laughs> so um he was a quarterback nightmare when it came down to pass uh, patting down balls, uh, deflections and stuff, but kind of paralleling back to the ISFL, watching how these sims work, using kind of the brain that I have of, of real football, 
it did kind of seem like offenses went away. So I wonder if the algorithm within the in the simulation, you know, can definitely say, you know, you got one defensive end that's a, you know an eighty, and the other one's a seventy. Do they run more to that side, or do they look at it? Well, we have our better linemen on the left side versus the right side, and so they run more to the left side versus the right side. It'd be kind of an interesting thing to kind of look at a little bit more to see kind of that how the algorithm works regarding play call and running. So one of the other things in our game against uh, Tijuana is we had a lot of opportunities where we had third, or I'm sorry, fourth and short. We should have went for it. This is a playoff game. And so I know in our clubhouse we were getting kind of um, hyped up a little bit. I'm going to have a beer open. Uh, and um, about how, you know, on these four, especially towards the you know end of the game, and we had a lot of ground to make up that the offense just wouldn't go for it. The algorithm and the simulation wouldn't go for it. And so, you know, obviously it's not a perfect system. Nothing is. Um, and I definitely, you know, I still enjoy it. I mean, the, you know, the dot football is still fun, um, as I've mentioned in other podcasts and stuff. And, you know, and it's, and it's, and it's you know, it gets, the, it gets the, the job done. I would like to see in the future... Um, an adoption of a better system, you know, and, and I hate to say it, um, but I mean, anybody that's played the PBE, the outside of the park baseball is phenomenal. It's so good. Um, you know, as a simulation game, I mean, could we just load everything up to MLB the show or Madden? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm probably getting trouble with EA, um, the tyrants that they are. And, but you wouldn't be able to get, you know, there's so many games you got to get in and, you know, not everyone's going to watch a, 30 minute you know game you know i think the super casual football league for example like i haven't watched a single i've watched a little bit of this the stream but you know i you know these streams these you know the streams here are 10 minutes uh, you know 15 minutes so it, it's it's quick engaging and it gets a whole game done adequately enough and so you know maybe it's it's for the best but i mean it would be kind of cool to have an engine like OOTP is is super advanced. You know when they bring in um, a reliever um, in high pressured situations, you know you could set that. You know in, in the in the um, in the simulation and there's you know uh, you know sliders for everything. You know and and so it's really cool to kind of see that. Um, I am a tester over there and I I do own OOTP and I play it. And so I'm a little bit better. I have a little bit better understanding of it. I don't own the um, the Wolverine Studios um, football game, but you know, just kind of watching the sim. I mean, it's not a whole lot to it. You know, you know. So it's interesting to kind of see. I'd be curious, kind of getting into the button, the nuts and bolts of it, like how it comes to that. You know, like we lost a game earlier in the year on an onside kick that was just bizarre. You know, we were up, you know, two, two, two scores with a minute left, and they scored onside kick score. And you know, an onside kick in real football is a is sign. You know, I mean, I just out of curiosity, um, uh, odds to recover an onside kick here. I think it's really low, like three percent. Oh, okay, so okay, twelve point seven percent last season. And this was two twenty twenty, so. Um, so yeah, okay. So it's dropped to six percent um, through the first eleven weeks of the 2019 season. So I mean, it's really low. It's it's around ten, less than ten. 
Um, and I was the only one I've ever seen in the simulations yet this team got it. You know, I, I don't know. I guess I was just complaining. But anyway, it's just kind of interesting to see the the algorithms of that. So moving on, kind of uh, let's look at the Dallas Bird Dogs um, as a, as a whole for the season. They've ended up finishing the year finishing the year nine and five, top of the South, um, with 442 points for 347 points against for the points for. Uh, far and away the best team. Uh, Tijuana was 343, so over, or so about 100 points more um, over the course of the season than the, than the next play, uh, second place team in Tijuana, which didn't show in the playoff game, obviously. Um, but here's probably where, where why. So there's about a 50 point difference between us and Tijuana. Tijuana had the best defense at 316 points against ours 347. Um, that's not a huge margin, um, but it's definitely it kind of shows a metric. There, so kind of going over the year. Uh, week one, we lost to the Coyotes. Uh, went 0 and 2 in the first two games against the Coyotes and the Pythons. Slow start. Then we went on a really nice four-game winning streak against the Coyotes, Seawolves, Tijuana, where we won 14 to 13. Close game. That was a really good game. I remember watching that one. And then London 31-24. Then we lost to the Great Ducks 32-33-22 in week seven. And then we went on another four-game winning streak with the Grey Ducks, 59-36, another phenomenal offensive game. Bonnie Beach, 48-7, uh, Pythons, 24-16, Snorfolk, 24-38. Uh, and then in week, weeks 12, we lost 28-27. So I didn't realize this, that we've lost uh, we in the two games that we played in the regular season with Tijuana was a one-point difference, 28-27 in that game. Ended up losing... Uh, in the playoff by a larger margin, but it was definitely that you, this shows pretty closely, especially since they have the same record as us. We were pretty much a very matched team, 34-31 against uh, London and the Bondi Beach Buccaneers, 30-22. Um, so, <coughs> excuse me. Um, that was kind of the season as a whole. So looking at the individual leaders, uh, Stanzi, the quarterback went for 3,349 yards, 25 touchdowns. Really good for a rookie, I think. Uh, I believe he did um, a phenomenal job. Uh, running game, there was a lot of split and carries um, between Eric Gayer uh, and uh, Nardello, with Gayer being the team leader at 993 yards, just just shy of a thousand, but he had eleven touchdowns. And then Ivan Tostovich, fifty-eight receptions, one thousand one hundred five yards, averaging nineteen point one yards a catch, with only three touchdowns. That dude was the <laughs> the long ball master. Um, he 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 was a darn good uh, um, darn good player. Um, that was fun to watch in the in the simians simulations he was always good to go for like one 79 yard catch a game so how um things kind of ended up uh stanzi in the um uh, quarterback category ended up finishing one two three fourth um with 3349 yards um so right in the middle of quarterbacks um touchdown wise he was tied for second with uh olez at 31 and then uh, Jeropolo at 25 and Stanzi at 25. Interception-wise, uh, he had nine, which is good for tied. Uh, basically, one, two, three, four quarterbacks tied with nine, which Jeropolo at Kansas City with the least amount at five. <coughs> and the overall quarterback rating, third place. 
at 93. So uh, Stainsy's in my class, uh, and he's going to be in this year's draft. I, I definitely can see him being a high draft pick um, in the ISFL draft, either first or second round for a team that really needs a quarterback. He's going to be a top-earning quarterback, um, it really appears. And coming back um, next season, um, if he stays down in the DSFL, I definitely can see him being one of the not uh, one up or the top quarterback coming back to the um, DSFL. Um, over on the running back side, so uh, Gayer at a little bit less than a thousand was uh, good for two, three, four, five, six, seventh. Um, with Nardello at ninth, so Gare, uh is a returner. Um, his, he might be getting called up uh, next season. Nardello is a rookie; might be coming back. He'll probably be our number one starter if Gare doesn't come back. Uh, Nardello had 819 yards, a average 4.6 yards a carry, um, just just barely less than the uh, Gare's 4.9. Uh, Nordello had eight touchdowns to Gators, 11. So we had two of the top 10 running backs in uh, the DSFL. So that, that's pretty darn good. Um, so moving on to receiving, um, yards wise, Tostovich, our uh, number one yards um, guy, was good for one, three, four, five, six, seventh in receptions, followed by Cliff Burton, 13th. Um, and he had 733 yards, averaging 14.9, nine touchdown. He was definitely our touchdown leader. Regarding all of touchdowns, Cliff was tied for fourth with nine. Um, so that's pretty darn good. Averaging-wise, Ivan Tosevich and uh, a bot, so I won't make mention him but Ivan uh and I mean a lot of Dallas in terms of averages so I mean we lived and died on the big play you know and I think that showed in the playoff game when we couldn't get one um they shut down the big play you shut down Dallas bird dog football so um I think that these stats and where we kind of are in terms of our yards per um, our averages um, definitely show, and I think too, with if you look at Stanzi over the game, I know he had a couple of games where he didn't do very well, didn't throw for over 200 yards, you know, and I th- I think that shows, you know, if you're able to shut down the big play with Tosevich and Cliff, um, and Leroy Leroy, um, then you can probably shut down the offense a little bit better. I think that will change next season. Um, I think most of our guys are coming back. Um, I think we had a pretty young team. I'd be curious to see who gets called up next season um, to see who comes back. But I think if we are able to return many of our players, I think next year you'll definitely see the Dallas Bird Dogs in um, contention again. So moving on to our defense, the tackles leader, possibly linebacker of the year. I think he's a captain even. Luke Watterson um, had a phenomenal year, 120 Tackles with 15 tackles for loss, one forced fumble, two sacks, one interception, um, six pass deflections, and even a touchdown. So I think it's going to be pretty clear that uh, Luke Watterson wins linebacker of the year for Dallas. Um, has the next, the second most tackles is 112, and he only had two tackles for loss. I mean, that fifth, you know, he so not only does he lead in tackles, but he leads with 15 tackles for loss and, um, 
<laughs> was pretty good in in, in it was six uh, passing deflections. I mean, there's some guys on here with like twenty some. Those are cornerbacks, but um, you know, even a couple sacks thrown in there and an, and an, an interception for touchdowns. So um, that was pretty good. So if you're going down the list, the next guy two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, tenth. So top ten, we have my boy Aqua Kian, um, rookie Dallas. Um, with 86 tackles, five for uh, tackles for loss. Um, he had one forced fumble, eight pass deflections. Another pretty good year. Um, another rookie linebacker in Scooter McGee. Um, not too far behind him. That looks like top 15 with 78 tackles. Um, so three pretty darn good linebackers. Um, all right there in the top 15 um, with Luke leading the way as a top guy there. Um, let's look at whoops, defensive ends here. So uh, looks like Portland. Let's see. Uh, LeBron Brady at 60. Uh, Lucid Dreams 56. Me at 32 with 8. Tackles for loss. Uh, so, yeah, I guess just kind of look at tackles for loss. Um, uh, looks like uh, Bondi Beach Tommy Salami, 59 overall, um, was right, right up there tied for first with 15 for Luke Watterson. So, for looking at award season, I think Luke Watterson is for sure – candidate for linebacker i think lebron brady jr for sure candidate for defensive end i think lebron's a i'm sorry i think waterson is going to run away with it for linebacker of the year i think lebron will probably beat out lucid dreams lucid uh had a really really good season if you're looking at just pure stats um i think lebron just edges him out barely lucid gonna be in there though as one of the top three defensive ends for sure could go either way I think if you also incorporate the the performance of the team, the fact that Dallas got to at least the conference championship, made it to the final or the you know the final four, um, will show that you know that will give them a little bit more credence. Offensively, I don't think um, any of the offensive guys will be MVP. Um, you know, Stanzi could maybe win win kind of like a rookie of the year if there is a rookie of the year. I forget on the awards. Um, so moving on. From that overall um, so let's kind of get into beer break um, my first season so uh, I've answered this question a bunch with scouting and I genuinely had a good time with this league um, I feel a little bit guilty I think you know PBE I'm a, I'm a, in the war room. I'm a huge member of that team. My player is in his ninth year for the Sarasota Supernova, and you know we're playing for, we're pushing for a um, a playoff, and we're doing really well. And I'm still active over there. I mean, I'm still trying to max earn that player as well. Earn, I have quite the bankroll. So I think having the bankroll that I have currently, I've kind of been focusing a little bit on ISFL. I feel a little bit guilty. Um, I've let some of my roles over in the PBE slide a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to balance the two and, and give as much to both leagues as I possibly can. 
Um, I will say I've been extremely busy. Um, summertime in my job is extremely busy, and um, and it's been extraordinarily busy the last couple of months, and I think that's kind of why I feel like I'm kind of having a hard time juggling um, the two leagues. Um, I'm kind of focused on earning money and, you know, max earning. I got the draft coming up for the ISFL. I don't think I'll definitely be a top two guy in the ISFL draft like I was in the DSFL draft, but I do feel like I'm a pretty decent candidate. Um, so anyway, I've, ha- I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. The Dallas Bird, uh, Dallas Bird Dog Clubhouse is phenomenal. The fellas are fantastic. Good group. Very, very supportive. They're funny. Um, I've really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, I think it says a lot, too. You know, if you're not super hyperactive in the general chat and Discord, which I try to jump in every once in a while. I'm very, very active in my clubhouses, and I think having the activity that you know uh, uh, that the Dallas the Dallas have, and the fact that it's good activity, you know, you want to go and check in every day. Um, I almost suggested that we hop on voice chat for the playoff game, but it was kind of in a weird time, and I would have had a hard time with it myself. I would have probably had to get right off, had to go to dinner, uh, seven o'clock Central Time. You know, my family eats a little bit late, and the kids want tacos. So um, I get the evil eye from the old lady if I want to sit down and chat with the with the boys about <laughs> fake baseball or uh, football. But uh, you know, kind of looking at DSFL as a whole, um, I would like to see it expand. Personally, I really would. I, I think um, there's definitely some some room for expansion. Uh, looks like seasons 31's draft class is getting to be pretty big. Um, uh, you know. I spent a lot of time with London pre, prior to getting drafted by Dallas, Portland, Kansas City, uh, Minnesota, um, were, and then Dallas were the kind of the main teams that I was being, I felt like I had the highest chance of going to. Um, I really thought if I didn't get drafted by Dallas, Kansas City was going to take me. Kansas City is my hometown in real life, and so I spent a lot of time in there just you know, just because of the hometown feels. Um, but London, I felt really good with, and so I mean, I would definitely say, I mean, as much as I really enjoy my time in Dallas, I feel like I would have had just as much of a good time in any of those other clubhouses that reached out as I am in Dallas. I think, in general, the ISFL has a really healthy um, community that is, you know, everyone's here for the same things, you know, to escape the realities of the world, come here, get with it, get with some guys, you know, that are looking to have a good time with their fake player and, you know, compete in a simulation league and just have a good time. And that's the same thing with pro baseball experience. It's, this, you know, the exact same thing. A lot of people ask, how are the two leagues comparable? And they're very, very, very comparable. I think there's that every I, – I, I've only been in one bad clubhouse in my entire time doing – um, fake baseball and simulations, and it wasn't it wasn't in the PBE or the ISFL, um, and so I feel like the folks that do these uh, simulation leagues are here for the same thing. They're here to have a good time. Now it was a little fun to have a little bit of juicy drama, like the whole kind of alt thing that just happened. Um, you know, I, of course, I read all the articles, I read the comments. I thought it was hilarious. I, I'm not directly involved. I have had my fair share of a little bit of drama um i guess and so 
and the kind of little background on that, it was really just because I got too intense. We had a guy that we signed over in the PBE that was here that we thought was going to help kind of change the culture with the team and be here for the long run. And then halfway through the season, and he was towards and you know give him credit. He it was a, his character was at the very end. He was it was his farewell. It was his final season. His farewell tour. Good user, super jam up. He came to the clubhouse, tons of fire, tons of um, excitement, pumping everybody up. And uh, then when it was clear that we weren't going to make the playoffs, he kind of went to the GMs and asked for a trade to go to a contender. And, you know, I wrote a little article about, hey, you know, like, you know, you come in here, you say all these things about buying into the culture. I'm here. You know, this is where I want to be to retire. And then you leave, you know. And, and I, I don't – I would – I haven't got a character that's gotten there yet, and I, pro- I probably would be the same way. If it was my last year and I never won a championship with my character, and you know, especially one of my first characters, and, and I have a chance to maybe get traded to a contender for my final season where I know I'm retiring, yeah, I'd probably do the same thing. But I, you know, I wrote a little article, and you know, it didn't go over too well. People, um, you know, he's he's a really well liked user, and he is. He's a great great dude, you know, and we're cool. I mean, I had and I was more in my feelings about. You know, I'm very competitive. I wanted our team to win. I kind of was like, yeah, I kind of felt a little slighted. Um, you know, and I haven't done anything like that since. But um, the drama, you know, it's there. Some of it's good. I think, and I could be wrong. I could be kind of in the, you know, maybe the um, uh, a small corner. But I think a little bit of drama. You know, as long as it's not so toxic that, you know, somebody you know, takes it really, really personally. But a little bit of drama is good. You know, a little bit of Game of Thrones type backstabbing, you know, maybe a trade that is super one-sided, that one team is upset about. I've seen that. That kind of stuff, I think is, I mean, hell, I, I, is, there, is there such thing as healthy drama? Maybe. I think for a league where you're trying to get people's attention and have a good time and everyone's in, you know, it brings everybody in to talk about and you're like, you spend a night like, oh man, did you hear about this? Like healthy stuff. I think, you know, toxic drama is neg- you know, negative, is bad. It, it, some might people say that all drama is negative. I, I don't know about that. I think if both people think that they're in the right, both people feel they're justified in their feelings. I mean, sure, I think that's healthy. I think, you know, maybe you're both right. But you know, depending on the you know the nature of the situation, you know, you both just are having good arguments on both sides, and it's creating a little bit of drama, and people are getting into it, and some people like your side, and some people like the other. I don't know, whatever. So my point being, you know, like a little bit of drama is a little bit of fun, you know, <clears throat> and um, you know, yeah, you, you can't take this stuff too seriously. So anyway, all right, I've rambled a lot on that. Let's move into. The ISFL, the big boys, the big leagues, um, and take a look at what is going on over there. Sorry, let me click back a little bit. <clears throat> and we got some playoff football. Let's see. Playoffs. There we go. All right. In the ASFC. In the first round, we have the Otters taking on the Outlaws with the Outlaws winning 38-12. to Not going to go too deep into it, but Tatsu Nakamura running back for Arizona had 20 attempts, 125 yards, 4 touchdowns, 8 receptions, and a touchdown. I mean, that guy's a stud. 
I have heard nothing but good things about that guy. Defensive player of the game, Joseph Joyster, linebacker from OCO with seven tackles, sack, and a safety. And it was all Arizona most of this game. Scored 14 in the first, 14 in the fourth, um, with 10 in the second. And they held Otters to 12. Um, I mean, yeah, Arizona has been one of the top teams. They're, they're the uh, 11 and 5 in the, the best team in that league with the Otters at uh, fourth place at 8 and 8. Quick look at their stats. Um, Arizona had a 479 yard, uh, 479.4 with. Uh, the Otters not too far behind, 416, but the points at, uh, against 370 to 409. Um, not a dramatically difference there. I think they were pretty comparable, but pretty clear that Arizona was probably the better team. And so they are moving on to the ASF Conference Championship. Or I guess, yeah, the semifinals. Next game, we have the second line. Uh, New Orleans second line against these Silverbacks, and I picked the Silverbacks. I picked the Outlaws in the first game and the Silverbacks in the second, and the Silverbacks won 35-31 with player offensive player of the game, Sam Houtzer, quarterback from New York, going 359 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. And the defensive player of the game, Leon McDonald from Silverbacks with three tackles, two sacks, and a forced fumble. Uh, this was a tight back and forth. I watched this one on the sim, and I was really, really worried because I had the Silverbacks winning in my predictions, and New Orleans kind of was dominating there for uh, the middle parts of the game. Uh, Silverbacks came out first with 6-0 in the first, but then uh, New Orleans came back with a 10-3, then 14-12, second and third. But the 14-7 was the kicker in the fourth quarter with Silverbacks dominating the fourth quarter to go up 35-31 to win the game. Quick look at them. So the Silverbacks were the second-place team. New Orleans was the third-place team. 10-6 for the Silverbacks, 9-7 for the New Orleans. Uh, 451 points for, for Silverbacks and 408 points against um, with the second line at 430 and 393. So a little, uh, Silverbacks with the little bit better offense. A little bit, uh, you know, second line, a little bit better defense. Um, pretty darn close on both ends. I think that was a really, really, really tight matchup. Um, that, but the Silverbacks just were able to edge out the second line. So over in the NSFC, uh, in the quarterfinal, we have the Wraiths taking on the Fire Salamanders. This was supposed to be a really good game. I had Berlin win in this game, and they did, 41 to 21. So it wasn't a very close game at all. Uh, offense player of the game was Colby Jack, quarterback of the race, who put up a heart, put all of his heart and soul into this game just to fall short. Had 418 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Defensive player of the game, Bam Bam McMullet, linebacker from Berlin, seven tackles, uh, two sacks, one forced fumbles. Um, on the uh, offensive side for Berlin, it was all um, the running game with. Danny King Jr. getting 14 attempts, 155 yards uh, in a touch, 11.1 on the average. And then uh, the quarterback did pretty good, 224 yards, but four touchdowns. So they pound, 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 bound the ball with the um, quarterback, uh, Capra Collin, throwing it in for the touchdown to win 41-21. Uh, just kind of a quick look at this game. The the Berlin Fire Salamanders are the top team in the league with a 13-3 record, 484 yards, points for, 335 points against. 
Yeah, uh, Yellow Knight fell quite a bit. I thought they would probably be the second or third best team. They ended up falling to the fourth with a ten and six record. Had four hundred forty uh, points for, which is uh, quite a bit less than Berlin, and four uh, four hundred seventeen points against. So Berlin was definitely the the heavy favorite in terms of just overall um, stats and, and stuff of that nature. But I did think Yellow Knife, the defending champs, would have had a little bit better showing. So moving on to the um, next game, we have in the um, uh, semifinal between the second and third place team, the Sarasota Sailfish against the Colorado Yeti. I don't remember who I picked. I think I picked Colorado. Pretty sure I did. Um, but the Sailfish would come out on top, 33-13, to 13, with the offensive player of the game, Chishu Inchonese, uh, in running back from Sarasota, 23 attempts, 23, 23 yards, and a touch. Defensive player of the game, Sun Goku, defensive end, Sarasota, four tackles, one sack, and a forced fumble. Um, and it was pretty much all Sarasota for the game. They had 10 points in the uh, first, six of the second, seven, 10, you know, pretty. Uh, and then they held uh, Colorado scoreless in the entire second half, and that would be the difference maker to go up 33-13 to move on to, <coughs> I'm sorry, the conference championship. So we have played the conference championships over in the ASFC Silverbacks Outlaws. I had the Outlaws win in this game, and I was wrong. Silverbacks won. 34-37, to 37. New York are really making a run as they have just earned, punched their ticket to the Ultimus Championship. And holy cow, pretty darn good matchup here. 14 points in the first. Um, kind of trade of punches there in the second, third, and then fourth. But that early hot start uh, would be the difference maker for the Silverbacks as they would win 34-27. Play, offensive player of the game, Charlemagne Cortez, quarterback from Arizona. Had 458 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Couldn't do it. Uh, uh, defense player of the game, Colt Mendoza. Five tackles, one interception, one defense touchdown, forced fumble, and a fumble Excuse me, fumble recovery over on the Silverback side. It looks like a pretty solid showing on their running backs. They had two running backs. Um, one for had 16 yards for 86. Uh, I'm sorry, 16 attempts on 86 yards. That would be Captain Rogers. Uh, um, he had no touch or uh, I'm sorry, two touchdowns. And then uh, Brandon Prince would have 10 attempts, 67 yards, and a touchdown. So three touchdowns between the two, three the, the the running backs there. So I think maybe yeah. So they had a, a, a big time interception for a touchdown by Colt Mendoza. That was probably the big play in this game that kind of set them apart to go up 34-27 since there's no glaring offensive um, uh, stats. Over in the NSFC Conference semifinal, we have the Selfish against the Fire Salamanders. And I had the Fire Salamanders going in uh, the championship, and they did. 23-20. to 20. Inched out the Sarasota team, Sarasota Sailfish with offensive player of the game, Danny King Jr., running back from Berlin, had 118 yards, one reception, one, one yard for a touch, and then defensive player of the game, Adam Schnell, linebacker from Berlin, four tackles, one reception, and one defensive touchdown. So, uh, it was pretty much um, Fire Salamanders... Well, okay, they traded punches. So they in the first quarter, the Salfish came out with 10 points. Salamanders just a field goal. and then, um, But the Fire Salamanders would hold them scoreless in the second, uh, be the only quarter uh, part of the game where they, uh, they uh, Sarasota couldn't score, and that would be the big difference in the game. 
as they went they lost by three points 23 20 so it looks like the ultimus has been determined it is going to be the new york silverbacks versus the berlin fire salamanders in the ultimus and i have berlin winning it all um Let's take a quick look at the two teams involved. Berlin, obviously the top 10 out of the NSFC, 13-3 record. New York Silverbacks, second place in the ASFC, 10-6, which would have tied them with the Yellow Knife. Looking at their stats, 451 points for to the 484, and Silverbacks 408. I got to go with Berlin here, and I don't know if it's going to be very close. It looks like a pretty lopsided matchup between the two teams. It looks like Berlin has the makings um i know from talking to their scout from berlin that they are really in a win now window and they they really have a huge expectation for this season so i would feel bad for them to fall off short but you know the silverbacks who have also spoken to with their scout are kind of in a similar boat i don't think they're quite 100 percent all chips in for this season i think they're kind of building still and they have some room to grow but I definitely think Berlin is really trying to make it this season, their season, season 29, to be the Berlin Fire Salamander. So, um, I remember seeing a post somewhere about draft order. So, it's not completely set. Obviously, we have one last game to play. Um, but, if I remember correctly... If you look at just the records, um, Honolulu and Baltimore are the two bottom teams vying for that number one overall pick in the Season 30 draft. Um, let me see if I can find that article that had the draft order as of now, or as of the time of the writing. Uh, I might not be able to find it. Um, do, 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 do. It's been... A lot of a lot of posts just in a lot just today. So, um, yeah. So here we go. Draft guide, maybe. All right. Is this it? Yeah, I think this is it. No, that is not it. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to drag this on. Just looking for the article. Uh, if I, I guess I can kind of look. It's either going to be. I think it's Honolulu has the first. Baltimore the second. Um, and then Chicago and Austin both have a five. Uh, oh, so it would, no, it'd be Chicago because they have a five and eleven with a Austin five and ten first. So we have the first four picks: Honolulu, Baltimore, Chicago, Austin, and then Philly would have the next pick would be the fifth pick, sixth pick the uh, SaberCats, seventh pick uh, Orange County Otters, eighth pick New Orleans second line. Um, ninth pick, Yellow Knife Wraiths. Tenth pick, Sarasota Selfish. Eleventh um, pick, Colorado Yelly. Twelfth pick, um, Outlaws. Or I could be wrong on that. I forget who won those playoff matches. But um, just kind of looking at that. I've been reached out by, I think, everybody. As of this recording, I believe everybody um, has reached out. With the exception of San Jose, I have I don't think I've been contacted by them. I think I've been contacted by everybody else. Have I been contacted by Sarasota? I'm eh, yes, I think I have. Um, they're all starting to kind of 
uh, jumbled together a little bit. And I, I'm not going to go in about that. I mean, um, but, you know, I, 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 I can say that the um, experience has been really fun. Um, the Everybody's been really, really cool. Uh, I feel really, really good um, about most of the conversations. I have no clue where I'm at on the draft board. Um, if I were to go out on a limb um, and just kind of go by purely the conversations, um, sorry, boys. Um, I mean, I probably, I mean, the, and it could be just personality, too. Um, you don't want to give away too much. Um, the draft is this weekend, but uh, Berlin Scout and I had a fantastic conversation. Um, really, really good. Back and forth. Uh, so much so, we're probably going to hook up maybe, um, and, and, and in Philly, too, with Lucid Dreams, uh, possibly hooking up for a future uh, podcast together. Um, but the, you know, I think those, those two teams, I feel really, really positive about, um, I feel positive about everybody. I, th- I, I didn't have a single negative interaction, but you know, it's just one of those things. Some, um, kind of got their questions in with a little bit of a personalized stuff. And I think they kind of had a formula on how they rate everybody, um, or how they scout everybody. And they kind of stick to the formula. Some others kind of went off the beaten path and, it kind of evolved into kind of really just a, you know, you know, a couple of beers, having a couple of beers, talking about the league and PBE and media and um, stuff of that nature. I have to pause. So, if you've been if you have been listening at all to the podcast, you you might hear the kids screaming. So I'm down in my office and I have the door shut. The I got two boys upstairs playing Roblox and they get into it and they scream. And no matter what I, I could, I you know when I do the Dallas Bird Dog recap show, I can cut you know I can try to record and if they they'll, they'll you know if they try to interrupt or something, I can just re-record it and try to get that out. But with the podcast, I mean I'm not going to stop recording because they're up there having a good time and they're having a good time. But that's what it is. A couple boys up there just having a good old time playing Roblox upstairs, so they're just loud. Um, uh, train of thought, where was it? Okay, so scouting. Um, yeah, so, you know, you know, really kind of gets off the beaten path, and we just kind of start talking about everything and anything. And so, you know, you, I think it would be pretty obvious to come out of that thinking that was a uh, really good interaction with that particular individual and that scout. So, um, you know, I, 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 I would be really, really, really curious as to, you know, how this draft coming up this weekend goes. Um, it's 4th of July. I'll probably be out with my kids. We might even go somewhere. Heard the Omaha Zoo is pretty fun. We might run up to Omaha, which is only a few hours away from where we live. And um, I do want to watch it. I do want to be part of it. I'm excited. Um, I think the draft is always one of the more exciting times in a simulation career um i remember the dsfl draft going number two holy crap i was like shit at a brick i hope dallas is is happy with that pick um i didn't i don't think i i produced as well statistically as i could have um 
but you know my presence in the locker room, the videos, and everything that I did, I I think they're pretty happy with their pick. And I hope the team that drafts me in the ISFL feels the same way. And I and I do tend to bring a lot of what I'm doing with Dallas to the team that I that I get drafted by. The um, you know maybe it turns into the Philadelphia football tonight show or you know the Austin you know football show whatever um and and those aren't hints of where I want to go I'm just literally just looking at a screen it just those are the two names in front of me um and so but I do intend to bring wherever I go um uh the show maybe do some more podcasts with teammates um bring this kind of um you know, action to them. I think that, you know, especially when I'm part of a team long and I, we can bring on rookies. I would love to have on rookies uh, as part of the show. The Dallas, you know, so, you know, I'll probably be with Dallas again in the next season. I'll bring on the Dallas, on the Dallas Bird Dog uh, show, bring on some rookies. If you guys are curious as what it is, I mean, I mean, with the PBE Rewind, we've done all kinds of stuff. We've done live stream. So the game day stuff that Lucid does is super awesome. I think it's, I love the um and if you're getting to this is now mark 52 minutes hey thanks for sticking with me um lucid if you're listening oh holy crap buddy um thanks for listening but uh the things that they do are phenomenal i think any type of league that kind of brings that immersion of uh to the league a little extra oomph to it like you know the stream team with the pbe is fantastic when they stream and they commentate that's a huge commitment those guys are on there for three to four hours uh, three to four times a week, and you know, it's on the stream for three to four hours, is commentating a fake baseball team. I would love to see that here. I think the game day is a really, really good start. I think that's a really cool um, thing that they got going on with that. I think that's really fun and, uh, and immersive. It's exciting. It's good, to, you know, because when you're doing this thing, it's cool to hear your name. Even me, I, I run my own show. I try not to say my own my own name very much. We talk about IO, make it the IO Torrent Football Show. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make it the Dallas Bird Dog. But it is cool when I listen to other podcasts, other game days and uh, streams, and they talk about Io. Hey, Io's having a great season. We thought he was a really good da-da-da-da-da. I mean, everybody likes to hear that. So that's why I try to, you know, for the people that are a big part of this league, talk about, you know, like my boy Stanzi, best quarterback in, in the SFL, Hex, Great linebacker, Luke Watterson, great line. I mean, you know, people want to hear that. And I think it also just creates the immersion of why we're, you know, we're here for the community, but we're also here to have a good time with these simulation leagues. So I that's one thing that I would like to see. I know I've heard that they used to do, um, when they do the streams, they comment, a, commentation, a um, commentator team, uh, and that it was, you know, kind of hard, which the game moves so quickly that, that that would be really hard. I mean, I think it could be something just giving out some stats before the game, you know, like game day, but for each game, you know, um, you know, so and so is doing having this kind of a season. This might be so and so's last season. I, I, there's not a whole. I don't remember there being a whole lot of trades, as there's not a whole lot of trades in real football either. Uh, PBE has trades left and right. Um, which is kind of cool, but kind of talking about big transactions, somebody, you know, big, big names getting called up, stuff like that, um, I think is pretty fun. It might be something I will try to do, depending on time, go over kind of like an ISFL offseason, um, like which teams did what in the offseason, call-ups, draft recaps, stuff of that nature. Those are all things that are pretty cool, things that my nerd brain kind of gets 
into. So I know my I got the podcast and I could do it on the podcast, um, but I think it's cool to kind of do the videos. I think the video with some video stimulation, showing the recap plays, the highlights, showing graphs and showing um, graphics and stuff of that nature is just kind of adds a little bit to the experience. So I think the game day is a great starting point, and I think the uh, I think the league is growing, and I think the league can do something like that, and I think it'd be really cool. Now. It could fail miserably. Like, I mean, I can't speak too much. I did the PVE rewrite for three seasons, and, and I'm not burned out, but, man, it's hard. It's really, really hard to get, to keep that going for so long. Three seasons is about, what, four or five months um, straight of putting that content together. Um, we would do in-season stuff every week. Obviously, we'd do the off-season stuff. We'd have this big off-season show. We would do a live show where me and my co co-anchors would do you know predictions with tons of stats. It's a lot of stuff, and we haven't really done anything this this season for season twenty six so far. I want to get back into it, um, but it's it's hard. So I mean, I think it'd be a good idea for ISFL, but I understand the time commitment and just kind of the you know the, it, it's not easy. It's not easy to have to have folks that committed um, on a weekly basis to do that kind of stuff. So that's why I like listening to the content. Of everybody else, I like listening to the other podcasts. I like listening to uh, reading the other medias and stuff like that. And I just hope that this continues to grow. Um, I'd like to see some mock drafts coming out. I saw uh, I think there were like two or three in DSFO mock drafts. I was like a second round pick in each one, and I'm going number two overall. So that kind of shows you where that is. But I, I, they're cool still. You know, even at the time, I, I figured second round was was where I was going to go. And so. I believed all three of them. I think the highest I was in the mock draft in the DSFL was the first pick of the second round. And um, that's all good content. I think I like seeing, too, just the perspectives of the other users, too. You know, seeing what they're out there seeing. Because um, one of the things I kind of noticed with the scouting is that I put out all this content. You know, the, the videos, the podcasts. And some of them came knowing that, but some were like, what do you do for money? And I'm like, I've been doing all these videos, <laughs> you know, making, you know, I think I got, I think I got a pretty nice little bankroll so far. And I've been doing all these videos and these podcasts and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. You know, and I'd link it to them and, and they'd never seen it yet. So, I mean, like, I, I know the videos are only meet, meet, you know, meeting, like reaching uh, a few people. But and I don't care. I do it for fun. I enjoy doing it. But it's it's just kind of funny to kind of see other perspectives. And there's a lot of media that I don't I'm unaware of. You know, I'm sure. Um, so it's cool. I like seeing the other perspectives. I like to do some podcasts with other people. Next time I will add some questions for the next podcast. I'll get ahead of that. Sorry. I know this one was a little bit of a rant, uh, stash uh, slash rambling session of a podcast i was only planning on doing 37 minutes this has turned into 58 minutes and uh, 19 seconds so you know i'm a rambler sorry about that but you know if you're listening this has been my perspective things that i've seen sitting in my basement in my office in kansas city missouri not kansas missouri um as i've experienced my first season in the isfl getting ready to go into my <coughs> draft for season 30 so um man that's really too holy crap does it go by fast i feel like i just created 
and yet just finished my first season and um, getting ready to get into the ISFL draft. Super excited for it. So good luck to all the teams uh, playing for the Ultimus, uh, Berlin, and New York. Good luck to you guys. Good luck to my DSFL compadres in Minnesota and Tijuana. Um, I, I oh I should probably get pick my pick. Um, I think Minnesota will probably has the upper hand. They're a really high powered offense. I think they've probably been the one of the been been the if not you know one of the best teams all season. But Tijuana, you know I I think they're a good team. They're they're I think they're a lot like Dallas. And Dallas could explode, and so um, it's going to be a good game. So good luck to Dallas, <laughs> Tijuana. Good luck to Minnesota. Good luck to Berlin. Good luck to New York. I'm excited to watch the stream and wish everybody good luck. I'm excited to read and watch and listen to all the media that's coming out for this Fourth um, of July. Uh, secondly, happy Fourth of July to everybody. Um, me and my family will be out shooting illegal fireworks to celebrate the birth of our great nation. Um, and, you know, I, it's one of those things, too. I think maybe it's a Midwest thing. You know, I have tons of great memories with the 4th of July. Baseball, hot dogs, you know, and that's what I associate. Um, and I want to make sure I have that with my kids. I want to, you know, uh, you know I, I'm excited the, to do I'm, – I'm, I'm a big uh, kid, and I'm one of those dads, you know, I'm buying hundreds of dollars worth of fireworks and we're going to go and have a good time. I go to the lake, have a good old fashioned Midwest 4th of July celebration with barbecue, um, food, explosions, all that good stuff. So um, I want to wish everybody a happy and a healthy and a safe 4th of July weekend if you're listening to this before then. If this is afterwards, well, you made it. Um, and we'll be seeing you guys soon um, in the ISFL. I, I am happy for everybody. I'm excited for everybody. Um, and I'm very, very excited to read and watch and listen to everybody else's content. So this has been IO Torrent. This has been episode four of the IO's pod. Thank you for listening. If you're the greater, I apologize for the continuous rambling. You're an absolute champion. Um, oh, and thank you for what you guys do. Uh, all the graders out there, the graders of the graphics and the media and the podcast, um, you guys are fantastic. Uh, we can't thank you enough. I might, since I listen to all these darn things, apply for an opening soon to a podcast. Um, but you guys are, are really great. So thank you so much for that. Have a good weekend. Um, good luck to everybody. And like I said, happy 4th of July. This has been Io. We're logging off. We'll see you next time. Check us next time with the next Io's pod. And also keep out for a, um, a collaboration that I'll be doing with somebody else in the near future, hopefully. So be on the lookout for that. Thanks again. Have a good fourth. Take care.